Tonight, we have a really special evening. Um, our recent Peru trip was amazing for a lot of reasons. Whenever you decide to go on a mission trip, you have to count the cost. Several of the people who went on this trip are self-employed. The way self-employment works is you book 130% of the work that you can do, knowing that 50% of it will flake out, and maybe you can make it on the 80% that you actually get. Sometimes it will all come in, and sometimes none of it comes in. That's called self-employment. When they come back and it's quiet, radio silence, there's a cost. If you have an office job, you go back, and you're all excited about where you went, they want to know, did you see what the Texans did? They're not real wild about whatever it was you did in some jungle someplace. They don't care. They're kind of miffed that you weren't there with them, and they want you there with them. It's, it's a cost. When you go someplace for Jesus, there's a cost. But what is the cost if you don't go? What happens if God says you are to go someplace, and your heart and mind, you know that you're supposed to go, and you don't go? There's a cost there that you really you can't, you can't tell what that is. But when you go and you set your foot there and you see what the folks are going to speak to you tonight saw, you know. It doesn't matter when you get back what the cost was. We'll make it. God's big enough to make this happen. He said, go out and tell the world. So tonight, Cassidy has worked really hard on a video for us. And then Mike, JJ, and Brent are going to share with us each of their experiences. Uh, Devin and Judah are going to be truth, fact, truth. We'll, we'll have to look to them. Is it, you know, is it true? They're not going to get up and speak, but they were there too. I say a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, so that gives me about two words because there's a lot, of, a lot of words that just weren't on the screen. Used up all my words. Uh, if you would turn to Daniel chapter 3. Verse 16 and 30, and we're going to try to be brief because there's a few of us sharing. Um, really, this journey began for me a few months ago. Well, actually about a year and a half ago. Uh, but a few months ago, we were beginning to study uh, the book of Revelation on Monday nights at Foundations. And so I thought it would be a good idea for me to start reading the book of Daniel uh, because they just go together hand in hand. So I started reading Daniel. I got to chapter 3, and God birthed something in me. Um, and I'm going to read a little bit and paraphrase and just and touch, uh, touch on a little bit of that. But it's a familiar story for those of you that have been in church for a while, um, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, in, the, uh, in their trial in the, in the furnace. And um, I'll just read a little bit. Uh, and, and point out some things in their life. A few months ago, God just birthed, really birthed in me the the necessity to go through the fire and the desire to go through the fire. And um, I don't know if we, we understand that. We sing about it a lot. We sing about it tonight uh, a lot. And uh, the fire, where it might seem such a uh, maybe a jubilant thing or we get real impassioned about it. I mean, really, if you look in the Scripture, uh, it's really hard to find a good instance of fire. Most of the time fire comes, it's a, it's a trial. It's a time of consuming, a time of purification. And God really put on my heart that this was a season that uh, myself and my family were about to go through a fire, uh, trial by fire. And uh, we have been feeling that for the past uh, two and a half months, a uh, few months. But 
It's a choice that we have chose to make. I unknowingly made that choice, or my wife unknowingly submits to that choice. She didn't know that until after the fact. I told her everything that we're going through is pretty much my fault because I said, Lord, bring the fire. And uh, so I'm sorry. I repent for, for asking for that. Uh, <clears throat> but as we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life, uh, really before this moment, they were already young men, and they were already favored of the king, and they were already in a place of authority and position. Uh, they had really decided a long time before this fire, uh, just a backstory for them. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had set up a, a, a nine-story statue that said everyone had to bow down. If they didn't, they'd be thrown to the fire. They didn't. Uh, so they had decided a long time before the penalty of the fire that they were going to, uh, those are the kind of lives they were going to live. Uh, that was their desire that no matter what the cost, they would serve Jesus. Uh, they prepared themselves for years, for a lifetime, for this one moment in their life. Uh, and their response to the fire uh, as, uh, as Nebuchadnezzar is enraged at their, uh, their stance, uh, this is what they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are, this is a verse 16. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You see, when they decided to serve God, no matter what, they knew that eventually one day there might be a consequence of fire, and they prepared themselves. And you see a couple of statements in there. Uh, God is able to save us from the fire. He is able. He is totally capable of saving us. Uh, and they also said he will rescue us from your hand. So they're making two. So because those are two totally different things. Uh, but the statement they make is probably the one of the most profound statements that I heard years ago that I've uh, held on to. And I think I read it originally in the New King James. And because it's a statement that says, and if not. But here it says, but if not, in other translations, even if that doesn't happen, if God doesn't pull us out of this fire, if he doesn't pull us out of this valley, we're still going to press on. We're still going to serve the Lord. And for us, uh, honestly, Peru, the, the physical aspect of Peru was a, was a fire for us. There were uh, many trials, um, spiritual battles. We didn't even realize it at first what was going on in the spiritual realm, but all this physical aspect of it was a spiritual battle. Uh, for me, personally, uh, Peru was birthed in my heart about a year and a half ago. Something stuck in there. And I think the story is somewhat similar uh, for Mike as well. When, when Eric originally said, we're going to Peru, and I'm like, well, let's go. And I ask him about every month, so when are we going to Peru? When are we going to Peru? When are we going to Peru? Uh, so God was preparing me, but nothing could have prepared us for the terrain, for the altitude. Uh, but we chose it. Uh, actually, God chose it for us. Uh, there was nothing that went, once God birthed that in all of our hearts, and Brent's and Mike's and mine hearts, and in their um, and, and Judah and, uh, and Devin, once that was birthed in our hearts, God chose it for us. And we said, nevertheless, God, if you, whatever you want, we will still serve the Lord. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose the fire, we chose the mountain. Uh, and, and once we made that choice, uh, everything got worse for, uh, for a king. For them, for them um, he threw them into the fire. And uh, even the people there, uh, he, Nebuchadnezzar got enraged at their statement. He made it seven times hotter. Uh, even the people that threw them into the fire, the guards, uh, it died from the fire. It was so intense. The trial was so intense that it killed the locals. It killed the people 
around them. Uh, so as they chose the fire, it, it got worse. And uh, as we chose to follow God's will, uh, uh, it got worse for us. Um, it, uh, for me, personally, there was uh, something going off up here with my tooth. Uh, and it would thank you guys for praying that for when we got down to the canyon, it was, I mean, I'm doubled over in pain. God, I'm like, search God, search my heart and know my way. See if there's any wicked way in me. What is, you know, please get out the, like, what's going on? It hurts so bad. Uh, and he, he really knocked me out and I woke up and the pain was gone. Uh, thank you. But it wasn't over then. And on the way down, uh, right at that waterfall, we took the video, Eric twisted his ankle. And every day as we hiked up somewhere and we hiked down, every time we changed altitudes, every time uh, it was inflamed again, it was the ankle and the tooth. And it just, every time we were going somewhere to bring the gospel, there was attack on our physical bodies. There was, uh, there was altitude sickness. There was, uh, I don't even know what else was going on with everyone else's body. There, thankfully, there weren't any parasites until our, until our way home, I don't think. Uh, so we didn't get that that fire, but we chose the fire and it got hotter. Uh, but that's what God told us to do. And as we look in their story in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in verse 24, it says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar got up and he said, weren't there three men tied up who were thrown in the fire? Uh, and they said, yes, of course. Uh, verse 29, 29, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. So when they chose to go through the fire, they chose the path that God had for them. Uh, it became freedom for them. Where they were bound by the enemy, they were bound by the king. Once they were put into the fire, they got complete freedom. They were walking around in the fire. I mean, who, who walks in around in a trial? Uh, but isn't that how we are supposed to be as we choose the Lord when trials come, when fire comes is a time for us to walk around, a time for us to rejoice. I imagine when they got thrown in, they didn't just stand there and just walking around with their hands in their pockets. I'm sure they were shouting and praising the Lord that they weren't burning up. They see flames all around them, but they're not burning up. They were walking around. They were unbound. They were unharmed, and they were in the presence of God. So they chose to be consumed by the fire, and they had complete freedom within that trial. And isn't that so much the way we should be? James says, rejoice in your trials because it produces perseverance, which produces godly character. So when that fire comes, when we choose the fire, the path of God, when we choose that fire, it brings complete freedom. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I didn't want to go up the mountain, even though uh, Devin was my, uh, was my backup singer as we were going up. That There was one day where it was actually a gradual incline for about half so we could actually breathe. At times as we were walking, and uh, Nick, thank you for the song, uh, Lean Not on My Own Understanding, singing, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. That happened for about two hours, and then we started going up and down and up, and the song stopped. But that praise was on our hearts. Whether we could sing or not, the praise was in our hearts in the midst of this trial, in the midst because we knew at the end someone needed Jesus. Someone needed to hear the gospel. Someone's life was going to be changed, and they were going to experience the God. They were going to be set free from the enemy. They were going to be filled with the Spirit. They were going to be healed, and their lives were going to be changed. And isn't that worth the fire? Isn't that worth the walk? And the result... Where we're in the midst of doing what God has told us to do, that fire, that pain that we experience is irrelevant. It goes away. We experience it as we're walking. When we got to the village, for me personally, the pain came back. And we're praying through and honestly popping Advil. God, do something. If you're not going to do it, use this Advil, please. 
but as we're moving, as we're pressing on to where God's called us to be, it's irrelevant because we're focused on one thing. We're focused on pressing on towards a higher calling, towards the mark, towards fury, towards Tapai, towards all these villages that God has birthed in our heart to be able to share the gospel. We chose to praise him even when we couldn't even breathe. Praise was in our hearts. But when we could, when there was a plateau or downhill, we definitely were able to praise him. And God showed up in our weaknesses. Uh, our obedience to him brought the presence of God. Uh, it brought people, were, like I said, people were healed. They were delivered. They were filled with the spirit. They were repentant in no particular order. Those of us that think there's a religious order of things, there's no order for God. He does what he wants when he wants. He just requires obedience from us. And uh, we are able to glory in the fact that his glory comes down and changes lives. And the end result was a reread in the story. As I close with my part, it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. And at the end of that paragraph, he says, For no other God can save in this way. And he set up a standard. If anyone defiles a God, their God, then they're going to be put to death. They're going to be... they're going to be cut into pieces, and their houses will be turned into piles of rubble. So this trial by fire, this thing that they walk through, as as at least the men in the group, American, overweight, in their mid to late 30s, people are hiking through these canyons because the people that actually think it's fun are in their teens and 20s and actually have the stamina for this. Uh, we didn't really have the stamina for this. So as we're walking out in our weaknesses, walking up and down and, and all around, uh, his name was glorified in everything that we did, and praise was brought to God. As Nebuchadnezzar praised the God for the trial that they saw, every person that we saw was touched. Every life was changed. Every village had a seed planted of the gospel, and God has changed lives, and the glory of God fell, and his name was glorified. Everywhere, uh, everywhere we went. So I encourage you, as you choose his will, uh, it will bring a fr- If you really choose to follow his glory and to step into his glory, uh, his kavod, his fire, it will be a burning process. Uh, but there is joy in that fire. There is freedom. You will walk around in the fire. You will be unbound. You will be unharmed. And you will be in the presence of Jesus. So I encourage you tonight to wherever God leads you, whether it's Peru whether it's Mexico in the next few months, whether it's uh, in your own backyard, in your own community, uh, at Home Depot, at work, wherever it is, uh, choose to walk in the presence of God. Choose to be put under his fire, and his name will be glorified. As people see us enduring the trials, enduring the hard things in life, his name will be glorified in us, and his kingdom will be advanced, and his name will be glorified forever and ever. So thank you so much, church, for this uh, Man, it's time for us to be able to go and share the gospel. Well, I believe all our words will be similar tonight. Um, I'm going to share with you maybe about 10 minutes, and then we have a little short video, so I'm going to start my timer here. Uh, But there's one word that completely sums up the entire trip, and I'm going to wait until they pull up. I did it on a PowerPoint so I could stay on point and... Uh, get through it quickly, but it's uh, persevere. Um, the entire time, we were enjoying every day. We had uh, uh, an agenda. We were going to go to this town, but there was something on everybody's mind, and it was the trip out. They had told us that the trip out was um, 
just terror. It was going to be the hardest thing we've ever done in our life. And uh, it was on my mind every day because uh, my knee was hurting. I was, I was hurting after the first day. I didn't think I could continue, but we did. But perseverance, um, I want to give you the definition, and we're going to look at some scriptures. To persevere, now notice the word. The word itself scares me because it says severe. And it's to persist in anything undertaken. To continue a thing in spite of difficulty, obstacles, discouragements until a matter is complete. The way you can read that, it says to continue a thing in spite of difficulty, to continue a thing in spite of obstacles, to continue a thing in spite of discouragements until it's complete. Uh, difficulty, obstacles, but man, that discouragement. That discouragement is a difficult one. It's very severe. And uh, through some aches and pains, uh, it was easy for discouragement to set in. Even though you saw God move mightily, uh, that canyon is not even hospitable for life. Uh, these Quechuan people live there because they've been pushed off into a region that nobody wants to live in. Go ahead and give me the next slide. But I, I begin to, the entire trip just began to be about perseverance and to persevere. Uh, Luke 8.15, we all know the parable of the soil types. Well, I didn't notice this word until I began to look at this message and, and persevere. It says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Everyone can start a race. Everyone can start the, the race of faith. But there are few who persevere through it. There's a soil that it says by persevering they produce a crop. Um, it's not one of those trips where, you know, it's like a mini vacation. This was intense. It, Y'all saw the first trip. It said it was three hours. That was one way. We did it both ways in one day. So for the majority of the day, we were hiking, and so we were persevering. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And um, that you can stay on that previous slide. You'll notice it's kind of a difficult gospel to preach sometimes when... Uh, the rejoicing is in suffering. And I know I've been up here maybe four times to speak, and I, I just realized that every time I get up here, I talk about suffering. <laughs> but um, it's not just about having fun and, and a good time. It's about persevering. It's about suffering, knowing that it produces perseverance and perseverance character. When we persevere, it shows us uh, flaws in us. It's actually there to draw up things that aren't godly. It causes things that we thought were hidden to really come to surface. And that's why we're to rejoice. I don't know about you, but I don't rejoice very well when I'm suffering. The natural thing to do is to whine and complain, right? But um, Paul here commends us to rejoice in our suffering. 
because suffering produces perseverance. Now, how many of us want to persevere? Basically, when we're, we're crying out, fire fall down, that fire that purifies, we're saying, Lord, put me in, under pressure. Put me in suffering. Try me. Break me. Put me in a position where I, ha I, mean, I have to press on and continually focus. If you notice, throughout the video clip, like the first day, there's 600 pictures. The second day, there's like 300 pictures. The last day, well, there was only three pictures that represented the last day. Because nobody was thinking about taking pictures. We were all barely breathing and struggling. We were, we were literally thinking step, step, step. I got it. And I'm like, why is, not, why, is, why is nobody stopping? Why aren't they stopping? And so I couldn't stop. I had to press on. Go ahead and give me the next. Uh, James tells us, because you know that the testing of your faith develops, there's that word again, perseverance. We all want faith, but nobody really wants it tested. We just want to have like a little badge that says I'm a believer and I got faith. And the Lord is very interested in testing our faith because it develops perseverance. And listen to this, perseverance must. It must. That means there's no way around it. It must finish its work. So there is a work that needs to be done, and it's done through persevering. It says that so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. We all decide we're going to do some things for the Lord. He puts it on our heart. We choose to do different things, whether it's ministry, whether it's teaching a class, whether it's uh, babysitting, whatever it is that God called you to do. We start off with great excitement, right? But not long because of difficulty and trial. That just completely washes away. That excitement will only get you into it so far, and then you realize this is more than I bargained for. Uh, maybe I can just quit. Maybe I can come up with a good enough excuse to not finish this race. Because really, this is not what I was uh, signed up for. I signed up for something that was easy and fun, and it was going to bless me and everybody else. But now that there's suffering involved, it, it doesn't quite line up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Actually, what that scripture says, if you give up, God won't get the result he was looking for. And perseverance, remember the word is severe there. So you may go through severe pressure. You may go through severe uh, turmoil. But God has a plan in it. I mean, there was a church who... Uh, everything was fun. Everything was great. And they thought they were rich and blessed. And the Lord said, what? Purchase of me, pure gold, refined by fire. Go ahead and give me that next scripture. Because anything that has any value to God will require great perseverance in it. It is the true gold tried by fire. If, if whatever we set out to do was easy and fun and anybody could do it, then everybody would do it. But what happens is it's a, it's a race, and we all set out to run a race. And when you're running the race, you get about halfway into it, and the lungs are burning, the, the calves are hurting, my knee was blown out, everything was hurting, and really something has to come along. You have to get some supernatural strength to persevere. I'm talking severe. Severe trial, severe 
uh, scrutiny, just severe. Um, there's probably not a way for me to describe perseverance enough to um, convey it. Those that are you right now who are struggling with some of the things the Lord called you to do, my encouragement is to persevere. Persevere until God gets his outcome. In fact, he's made it to where you struggle. He's made it to where it's beyond you. It's more than you can handle because he will step in and give you the ability to handle it. And that's what—that's the goal he's talking about. There was a church that said, we are fat and rich and everything is good and we are blessed. And the Lord said, you're poor, you're wretched, naked and blind. You don't even know your condition. Buy from me this pure gold that is tried by fire. So um, I'm going to read the definition one more time. To, to preserve or persevere is to persist in anything undertaken. To continue a thing in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragements until a matter is complete. We're told to run our race by Paul, and he says, run it with endurance and perseverance. And I'm going to show you a quick little video, because when we start our race, we've got all this hopes, we've got all this um, idea of what we think it's going to be, and in the middle of the race, it becomes nothing like it. And everything in us is just to finish. And we've got to get down there deep with the Lord, and he's got to come beside us, and he has to help us finish the race.
And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. Faithfulness. His name is faithful. His name is faithfulness. And if we're to be identified with him, then our name should be faithfulness. Let me tell you about faithfulness. If you run a race for nine years and Jesus comes on the 10th year and he does not find you there, your name will not be faithful. Something happened when I married my wife. She took on my name. She took on my name. Therefore, what she does in life represents our house and our name. We took on the name of Christ. And if we understand that his name is faithful, then we are to remain faithful. When we show up in Peru and we realize that somebody has already been there almost 30 years ago, yet they're there no more, that the gospel was preached at one time, but that what we brought was revival to the place that says somebody did not remain faithful. You're, you get taught something as you're climbing mountains day after day, doing things you cannot or you think you cannot do. When you look up to the, to, we say look up to the hills, we look up to these grand mountains and you look to the top and you're in a canyon and you're in the canyon bottom. And you look, all of a sudden, it's very overwhelming. It's very overwhelming, and you can't do it. Despair comes upon you. Discouragement comes on you and says, I got to do that. It's overwhelming. And so what God does is he focuses you in, and he has you look inward, and you climb the mountain step by step. You get a spiritual tunnel vision, and you start to look at where each foot's going to step in front of the other. And as you go throughout the day and days after days, you realize and you look back and you look back across these paths and these mountains and you realize that you came over one and over another and over another. And because you didn't get caught up in the grand scheme of things, but you focused on today and you focused on what was given to you today and you were faithful to that which was already in you and the ability and the faith that you have for that day, you look back and realize that you conquered mountains because you were faithful to today. His name was called Faithful and True. And I tell you, he's my father, so my name should be Faithful and True. If you could, Susan, put up Psalm 119.75. I know, O oh Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. In faithfulness you have afflicted me. And let me tell you, if his name is faithfulness, 
then in his name is where we find affliction. And when we take on his name and when we're married to him and all of a sudden I'm not Michael Shane Hutchinson, I'm Michael Shane faithfulness. Then I stand up for the family of God and affliction comes his way. That means it comes my way. And as I'm climbing a mountain and I'm thinking, why in the world would people do this for some kind of fun or self-gratification? There's nothing in me that comes that gives me a source of power. But when I think I'm going to bring the gospel and good news and life to a dead place and light to darkness, all of a sudden there's a source of power that rises up in me and something gives me the courage and the power to continue. Faithfulness is what he's looking for in you and in me. I know, O oh Lord, that your laws are righteous and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Because Isaiah said affliction is our teacher. Affliction is our teacher. Of course, when you're climbing mountains, you're going you're gonna, to uh, ensue pain. These things are going to come up. Uh, upon you but this is where God speaks to you because I tell you what as I'm climbing a mountain and I'm everything in me wants to say no my flesh is screaming I find myself at the closest place with God and how I'm talking to him very intimately more than ever before all of a sudden I'm giving every minute to him of the day instead of every hour of the day and every day of the week it's minute by minute all of a sudden I'm utterly dependent upon him as though he's my very breath. Turn with me to Matthew 17. I want to share a story with you that has encouraged me for the years. Bear with me because I'm going to go Stevens on you for a minute because it's a historical point. But it makes a good point to the scripture in Matthew 17. Could you put that on the board, Ms. Susan? Matthew 17 talks about faith to move mountains. And I know we've seen it in a certain perspective, but I want to paint it in a different picture for you tonight. In 63 B.C., a Roman politician and general named Pompey conquered the Judean area of Rome. One of his most trusted companions was his director of engineer and construction, uh, Albanius Gaius. After the conquest, Pompey felt that new harbors and ports needed to be built. Pompey petitioned the Roman Senate for funds to build the ports and harbors, and asked permission to use nationals as slave labor to perform the task. Pompey and Gaius waited for two years and six months for the reply from Rome. During that time of waiting, Gaius discovered a process where about stones uh, that would be needed to serve as construction harbor field could be quarried naturally without the use of manual labor. As an amateur biologist, Gaius noticed that the rugged spice plant mustard a spice that had been imported from Asia and Africa by Rome over the past 100 years grew abundantly and effectively. Many times it grew wild, and in, Judean, uh, in the Judean and Galilean region, he discovered that the plant seemed to grow best in the soil that had an abundant lime content. So he began to experiment by first planting mustard plants on mountains that were predominantly limestone, 
And then he revised his emphasis and began sowing the mustard seeds on the mountains. To his surprise, what he had speculated was true. Because of the abundance of the lime that made up the mountain, the seed sprung up immediately and grew rapidly and effectively. Effortly, I'm sorry. As the plants grew, pulling the lime out of the soil and rocks, Gaius noticed that the limestone became quickly, uh, quickly chalky and, cr and crumbled. Big boulders began to break away and rumble to the bottom of the mountain. The simple and weak mustard plant literally had the ability over an extended period of time uh, to, to disintegrate the limestone mountain. Regardless of the size of the mountain, afterwards, the stones were collected by laborers and hauled to the port in the harbor construction sites. The mountains were literally cast into the sea. Matthew 17, 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and he is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive out this demon? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Do you really think that God's going to give us a message and tell us uh, that we somehow can have the ability to take a mountain uh, from Peru and put it in sugar land and all of a sudden that's going to bring him glory? No, that doesn't bring him glory. That's all he needs is a bunch of charismatics running around moving mountains. No, that doesn't bring him glory. What brings him glory is that through you, he can take one huge boulder at a time, and by faithfulness, you can overcome mountains in your life. One huge obstacle at a time. This is what he's looking for. He's giving you the ability that through faithfulness, through faithfulness, if you will show up at the end, if you will show up at the end, he will have moved mountains in your life. And guess what? It'll be through you. What were they doing? They were standing. He was teaching this as they were standing on the backdrop of the mountain. As these huge boulders were falling from the top of the mountain to the bottom. He's telling, us, telling them just like this. Just like this. This is what I'm looking at from you. You see that mountain? One piece at a time is falling. One piece at a time it's falling. And this is what your life should look like. Faithfulness. His name is faithful and true. And so should Yours be. Turn with me to Second uh, Chronicles seven thirteen, and we'll close out. JJ spoke of fire and faithfulness through fire and perseverance through fire, and what these things bring, and why we ask for these things, and what fire does. What fire does is test your metal. What fire does is show what's in you, because when fire is done with you, 
It's burned away every impurity. And the only thing that's in you is that which, which remains, that which is eternal. And that's what God wants in us. He has put something in you. He's put some eternal qualities in you. And when you ask for fire, he burns it away. And what's left is the only things that he has put there. This is the goal. Fire burns, fire purifies, and fire clarifies. Fire clarifies. How does it do that? Because when it's done, the only thing that remains is Jesus in you. Second Chronicles 8, let's see where we'll start, 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal place and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own place, in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself and as the temple of sacrifices. When I, sh- when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be upon, um, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. God speaks, and then at the end, he says, now I'm listening. I've told you. Now I'm waiting for the response. I'm waiting for the response of faithfulness. I'm waiting for the response to, to identify with my name. Faithful and true is his name. When we showed up in Peru, there had been a great work. God had moved through the place mightily. But when we showed up in town after town, the story was the same. There was an abandonment. There was an abandonment. They asked, they were praying. We showed up and they said, we were praying for pastors. We want to know how to walk in this. We want to hang on. We want to be encouraged, but we have no pastors. And oddly enough, what God sent us there to do was find a man of peace and establish a pastor. Faithful and true. The scripture that Brent uh, that Brent pulled up, uh, Galatians six nine. As some of us go to other countries and some of us stay here. And we struggle and we battle in, the, in, uh, in our camp. Or whether we go out and we battle and struggle uh, to spread the gospel. Faithfulness is still the key. And it still has to be our name. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If, what? If we do not give up. That's all he's looking for. It's all he's looking for. Let me ask you, if you marry somebody, what are you looking for? Because if you're faithful to each other, you can work out many things. It's the key. It has to be. If you're faithful, then all these things will work it out if you don't give up. So, well, God, you could hear it through the prophecies tonight and through the songs and through the words that none of us, uh, none of us coordinated. 
that God wants faithfulness in you, whether it's faithfulness in giving or whether it's faithfulness in going or whether it's faithfulness in prayer or whether it's faithfulness to the fire that God's called you to be faithful. Do not back up. It's not how hard you hit, but how hard you get hit and keep on moving forward. It's momentum. It's momentum at sometimes you have to get up, step up and shake it off and keep moving forward, doing the things you did at first. Because why? These are the things. Why does God speak in affliction? Why does he send it your way? Because it shows the purity of your heart. Who are you and are you faithful? Amen. Amen. This is a tremendous outreach. Um, we kind of followed these guys. It's hard to because they didn't have a lot of communication. But we we um, uh, did some research on YouTube and we saw some of the same places that they went, you know, while they were there. But I couldn't imagine standing at the base of these mountains and looking up. Well, we need to go way up there. You see that thing look like a goat up there? That's where we're going to be. But, you know, one of the patriarchs of the full gospel movement in from Louisiana and even the basis that started this church, Brother Roy Stockdale, he had many sayings. But one of them was that um, he said, yard by yard, life is hard. And it is. But inch by inch. Life's a cinch, right? Those those simple words really meant a lot to us, mean a lot to us as we we look at a mountain, you know, and we think about the task that God put before us. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm thankful for the body of Christ. As the Word of God tells us that the body of Christ is made up of many members, and we're not all called to be feet. We're not all called to be the head or the eye. But we're thankful for those that are. And in Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns, right? So wherever you are in your life and in your walk with God, and you're seeking for that part, that member of the body that you are in your life, what does God have for you? Well, we can, we can be that part to strengthen those that we send out, and we could be that part that uh, support them in prayer and in finances. And that, that we are definitely the outreach arm of Christ. And you all stand to your feet. We're going um, to close in prayer. And I want to encourage you to, to seek God. Uh, because one day he may send you. Maybe not to Peru, maybe to Mexico, maybe to your backyard, your neighbor, whatever. But God wants to use you. Amen? And, and, and think in that mindset is that 
Life may be hard if you look at the whole distance, but if we look at it inch by inch, we can do it.